Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And we talked with Ryan Day on Wednesday in what was a heck of a press conference, man. Just a very eventful press conference as Ohio State signs what is right now as we're recording this pod, the number five recruiting class in the country. 21 commits, including one, two, three, four, five, five stars, four of which have signed are valid in that they're signed they're signed as we're recording this pod i talked with somebody jeremiah smith did publicly say that he's signing with ohio state the buckeyes have not received that national letter of intent in the facts which is i can't believe we're still faxing those things but okay whatever i guess some things stay with tradition but they are still waiting this on is that as, as of wednesday afternoon yeah yes as we're recording this pod that could very much easily change between the time we're recording this pod and when you're listening to it on Thursday, but that is the facts of things right now. But to paint the picture, Andrew, we'll let you kind of lead this off here, but we're talking with Ryan day. Uh, Most of it, I think 18 members had signed by the time he had come up to do his podium talk on the podium. Okay. So the three we were waiting on, were, it was 18 or 19, but the three we were waiting on were Jeremiah McClellan, the number 49 player, top 100 recruit, for wide receiver. Jeremiah Smith, who I mentioned, the five-star number one player in the country, wide receiver. And then Edric Houston, five-star defensive lineman. We were waiting on those three to happen. Jeremiah McClellan ends up flipping to Oregon. And then Edric Houston and Jeremiah Smith announced their intentions and then execution of course has signed of course they announced their intentions why we're talking talking to ryan day just kind of take us through what his emotions were as all of this is happening in real time yeah <laughs> what a day um what a day it feels like we've lived like three days in one um so basically what happens is ryan day's press conference was scheduled for noon and we go into Ryan Day's press conference. We are at the Woody. We in like a, you know, in one of their meeting rooms and we sit down. We have, I would say, 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes of a press conference. And all of a sudden, Ryan kind of looks up and to his left. And you've probably seen the video on Twitter now, or I guess on X. You've seen the video on social media. And Ryan kind of like nods in like a yeah like type of fashion and like a, oh yeah and then he looks at jerry the sid and goes for for real and he goes everybody's shaking their heads and he pretends to like collapse out of happiness and like pretends to pass out uh because ohio state had just gotten a reaffirming i would say of a commitment from jeremiah smith the number one overall player in the country so that was a huge deal uh, for obvious reasons, um, Jeremiah Smith stays in the class. He's the best player in the country. Huge deal. It was, it was very interesting to kind of see that happen. We actually couldn't talk to Ryan day about Jeremiah because uh, up until, as Steven was saying, up until they are 
a member of the program officially by putting pen to paper, you can't talk about them. So Ryan Day could get up there and talk about Aaron Noland and Mylon Graham and all these other people that he wanted to, and and he can't say Jeremiah Smith is going to be a great receiver for us. You can allude to it. You can find ways to ask around it, but he can't address it specifically. So he found ways, you know, Steven was, you know, talking about this too on our videos where, you know, he's talking about how his emotions were kind of flipping all morning. And, um, you know, it's, it was a long day. And a couple of minutes after that, I believe Nathan, this was during his question or his the question that he asked, there was an answer. And Ryan goes, uh, hey, um, do I got to go? And do I, do I need to, do I need to, and he starts pointing towards the door and Ryan gets up and leaves during the middle of a press conference to take a phone call. And I, as Apple, shut up, Apple watch, um, Apple watch heard phone call and started talking to me. Um, so Ryan day gets up and leaves and goes to take a phone call. And I look at two of the other writers, um, uh, Cameron from the athletic and Spencer Holbrook. And I was like, and I kind of gave them the side eye and they're like, Andrew, I know you're new. This has never happened. This is, this is new. This is completely new. Then Ryan comes back, talks for like five minutes, and then uh, Jerry, the SID, steps in and goes, he has to do a Big Ten uh, interview, Big Ten Network interview. So he steps out for another five minutes. So we had like two intermissions, kind of like a hockey game in this uh, in this press conference. And he came back after uh, after one of the intermissions and he had a kind of a big grin on his face. And right after that, maybe two, three minutes after that, it was announced that Edric Houston is staying in the class. Um, the first question that Ryan Day got asked after that was if the phone call was to a person in Buford, Georgia, which is where Edric Houston uh, played his high school football. And Ryan Day said he could not comment on that at that time. Uh, since then, Edric Houston has committed. And I believe he said that the phone call was from, uh, he was talking to Edric. He was dealing with an Edric Houston situation. So you can guess what that phone call was. Um, just a crazy day. like. We talked about like Kyle McCord. We talked about the transfer portal. We talked about all this other stuff. And then there was just all these other theatrics of signing day that happened at the Woody today. So uh, let's just, let's stick with those two, Nathan here. Edric Houston, the number 26 player, number five defensive edge, the number five edge rusher. Hello, Apple watch once again. And Nathan, and then Jeremiah Smith, the top player and top wide receiver commit. I mean, those are two pretty big deals, right? For two very separate reasons, though. Which one is more important for Ohio State in this class in terms of its future? Who's more important between Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston? Uh, just like, yeah, I, and I know that's not an easy thing to answer, but just you got a five-star edge rusher and then you got another five-star wide receiver. Like what, what was the more important thing in terms of urgent needs for this class? Well, I'm, I don't, I mean, only one of them is the number one ranked player in the country. I think you're always going to take that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to give that up just because you had a, a more a bigger positional need somewhere else. And Smith is also someone that we think could step in and play right away. I don't know if we think that of Edric Houston to the same level. So no, I think I think it's gotta be Jeremiah Smith. I mean you can you can look at it on one hand and say, well having the best receiver in the country doesn't guarantee you anything because Ohio State had him the last two years in the flesh on the field and didn't win any but even play in any Big Ten championship games or beat Michigan, let alone win a playoff game. So that alone doesn't guarantee you anything, but the other flip side of it is imagine what Ohio State would have been this year without Marvin Harrison Jr. So I think you would have to say that uh, of of the two, if you're picking picking one that you had to have, I think it's Jeremiah Smith. I agree with that, and you probably agree with that too, but let's get into the Edric Houston part of this because there is a Larry – I think the Edric Houston part of this is more of a Larry Johnson discussion and part of the reason for why – this became a thing of are they going to be able to hold on to this kid heading into signing day when he's taking visits to Clemson, when he's taking visits to Alabama. And Ryan Day was getting asked a bunch of different questions about Larry Johnson. One, just from a recruiting standpoint, the approach of how they go about getting defensive linemen, but then also Larry Johnson's future, which does seem to be a a topic of conversation now for four or five years. What did Day have to say about Larry Johnson's future and just where the state of the defensive line recruiting is right now? I, he pretty emphatically said he isn't going anywhere and 
doesn't expect him to go anywhere. And and at the time, it was interesting. Man, this you could just do a TikTok of this whole day, right? Because before he has an answer on Edric Houston, when it's already known that this is trending to be a class where Ohio State has only one defensive line signee and it's a guy ranked in the 700s, that's what triggers all these questions about Larry Johnson. And so but Edric Houston's future is TBD. Like he still hasn't announced, he hasn't confirmed that commitment yet. And Ryan Day is getting these questions and he gets to answer them in such a way that might have appealed to Edric Houston, frankly, to be able to say, and I'm sure that there were other things that they had to do um, with Edric Houston as well. But if there is any concerns or reservations about Larry Johnson's future, Ryan Day said he expects him to be here uh, next season and is talking about him. He even called him young at one point, which, I mean, of the tall tales that get told on signing day. And Larry Johnson's not, like, decrepit by any means, but let's not call him young. Let's, you know, you've got a 27-year-old on your coaching staff. Let's not call a guy where the numbers are reversed uh, young. Um, But his point being that Larry Johnson is still someone who is uh, energetic in the way that he's approaching all these things. He is still passionate about the way that he does his job. You can look at this season's results and see where defensive line development was a factor and how good this defense was and how good people like Tyleek Williams became. And all those things are true. So everything that we talked about on the Wednesday pod about the, because this question came up there and we, we sort of started the conversation there about like, well, where is this headed and is it headed to a problematic area? And Ryan Day's answer seemed to be that he, I don't think he's running away from the fact that the defensive line recruiting was obviously kind of balancing on the edge of a razor today and that it hasn't been everything they've wanted it to be the last couple of years. But then you have all these positive things and it's not the, the positive can't out completely diminish the other, the, the negative and the negative can't be the only thing you look at and ignore the positive. So uh, it's certainly a thing that I don't think is going to go away. I think the Larry Johnson question is going to linger, but at the end of the day, they did hold on to the crucially important guy that they had to have for this class on the defensive line. And that's a win for Larry Johnson. Andrew, when you look at this defensive line class, it is just two education, as I mentioned, the five-star recruit. And then Eric Mensa, a lower-rated guy who's three-star recruit, number 780, and number 90, edge rusher out of Virginia. I guess, I don't know if you can call it quality, but are you maybe concerned about what the future looks like in the world after JT Tuimaloal, Jack Sawyer, Mike Hall, and Tylee Williams, regardless of whether or not they come back to for 2024 or not. Yeah, quality and quantity. I think that that should be the concern for Ohio State right now because uh, talk about today being kind of, you know, Nathan said on the razor's edge. I mean, you like you went from a day where, all right, mitigated something that could have been really bad as compared to like complete three mile island disaster, right? Like this would have been a horrible day for Ohio State recruiting if you don't land Edric Houston. You do, and that's big because you only had one defensive end in the 23 class in um, uh, 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 Joshua Mickens. So you have you have three defense interior players in the 23 class with Mickens. You have Mensa, who's an interior player. Like you would have had one interior or one uh, edge player in the last two classes. That would have been a disaster. That would have been a nightmare of epic proportion. So it's improved from where it's at now, but I also think you still have to be concerned about it because like you said, you have a couple of guys, JT, Tuomaloa, Jack Sawyer. You've got Mike Hall, Malone, Hamilton, Tyleek Williams. You've got all these guys up the middle who, if they're not gone now, they're on the trajectory to have one more year. And it just, it sets you up in a pattern that you don't want to be in when you only bring in two guys, because what did Ryan Day say today about defensive tackles and defensive ends? He did kind of sidestep the question about, are you happy with the depth of your room? Are you happy with the recruiting of your room? 
Although we did, like Nathan was saying, and like you were saying, Stephen, give kind of an impassioned defense of Larry Johnson saying, you know, a lot of people can talk about developing these players, but Larry Johnson has actually done it. So we did kind of defend him there, but he also said you want to have eight defensive tackles and eight defensive ends and bringing in two players in a class is not exactly how you accomplish those numbers, especially when you've got a group of players that are at the end of this kind of cycle where Again, Jack Sawyer is, if he's not going to the NFL this year, he's going to the NFL next year. JT Tumalao, same thing. Mike Hall, Taiwan Malone, Tyler Williams, Ty Hamilton. All these guys are one, if they're not done now, they're one and done very soon. And I, I, I would have a lot of concerns about what this team has to do on the defensive line moving forward because you just set yourself up in a situation where you need to portal. You don't, hey, it would be great if we could add a guy in the portal. And th- No, you have to add in the portal if a couple of things go your, or, uh, don't go your way here in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I, I would be really, really concerned about this defensive line, kind of 2024, 2025 specifically. I mean, he definitely sidestepped the question and, and brought it back to um... – well, yeah, he brought it back to that eight and eight thing. And I'm like, I don't think you're maybe you just don't understand the question because yeah. I don't think Ohio State fans care about the eight and eight thing. You can go you can go through the portal and get to eight and eight very easily because that you can go get the Vic Cutler of the defensive line to be your eighth defensive tackle, whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, eight and eight doesn't matter that much. Uh, that's not what anybody's asking about. They're, they're not asking if you have three teams worth of guys to practice with. They're asking, you know, why is the quality of this room hanging in the balance right now? Or the, or the, the quality of your entire defensive line recruiting approach for this year? Why is it hanging by this thread and everybody is waiting with bated breath to find out if you're going to hold on to this commitment or not? And it all comes down to one dude. He's already lost another dude. And again, as we talked about Wednesday, like sometimes you lose guys for two reasons. The you lose guys to a game that you don't want to play, and I kind of understand that. But if you don't have a contingency plan, and then you lose the next guy, now where are you? So that to me, I don't think he was necessarily being disingenuous. I wouldn't go that far with it. I think maybe he was choosing to answer it that way. I I don't know, but. It, nobody cares about the eight and eight thing. Like that's not what this is about. Like yeah. nobody is like, oh, does that have a team have a chance to win the Big Ten? Like I don't know who's their eighth defensive end and who's their eighth defensive tackle. Like nobody's having that conversation. It's about are you getting championship caliber guys at every position? And Ohio State would have, if it had not got Houston, would have emphatically said no to this recruiting class having championship level defensive line potential. Having said all that. We can't only talk about the doom and gloom side of this because they actually did get the guy. And mm-hmm. it's it says something that they were able to listen. Go look at the last couple, three years of Ohio State history on guys in SEC country where it comes down to a late decision and who actually ends up staying at Ohio State. That that track record is not strong. And they had a huge one that they had to hold on to today, and they did. And I think the program gets credit for that. I think Larry Johnson gets credit for that because that's his room. That's who he's recruiting. Now, uh, uh, I think this is the one, didn't Ryan Day say that Tim Walton was also uh, instrumental working Georgia to help uh, mm-hmm. bring him in as well. A lot of that happens a lot. Like there's cross um, recruiting and, and God knows Larry Johnson's helped them land guys at other positions besides defensive line over the year. So again, it's, it, it it's yes, it's, it's definitely a concern because this can't be, they need a little bit more security in that room going forward. Um, the guys who might come back next year really help out. And you can see in guys like Hero Canoe and the, and the rush ends, like the second year guys from this past year, what they can also be um, in two years. But this was so close to being a zero or, or darn close to it that a year from now, that conversation needs to change. The vibe has to change. We always bring up Tony Alford in the running back room. Like, 2020 was a zero. 2020 was a whiff. So you had to come back and knock it out of the park in 21, and they did. I think that this this isn't as drastic because you kept Houston, but I think this time next year, they need to be talking about the defensive line room. Frankly, the way they're talking about 
the wide receiver room where you lost a four-star commitment today, but you're still really excited about the studs that you're bringing in. That That's kind of the conversation needs to start happening on the offensive line and the defensive line for Ohio State because it tends to be that you get to signing day and it's kind of like, ah, all right, yeah, that was pretty good. Or, again, or or it just isn't there at all. So I, to, to counter your, like, not to counter, but to, to kind of add on to your thing about the eight and eight, I understand, like, the, I understand what you're saying where it's like the fans don't really care about the eighth defensive tackle. Well, the fans are going to care about who like the third and fourth defensive tackle is and the third and fourth defensive end is because you you lose one guy and all of a sudden now you're kind of scraping a bottom of the barrel where you're like, okay, this is where we're, this is exactly what we talked about on the offensive line where this comes back to bite you where sometimes like if you don't have you can have this five-star level guy, but if you're not adding in the or adding in in your recruiting and adding in the portal to kind of back that up, or you whiff in the portal or whiff on recruiting, then all of a sudden you go from an elite level of play to God knows what, and you don't know, and, and that's the concern because you're not getting a JT Tuomola on the transfer portal, you're not finding a Jack Sawyer in the transfer portal, so you have to hit on these type of studs now. And then you can kind of figure out the rest later. So it's big that they did this. And and I, like you said, you don't want to harp on only the negative. They did get this guy. This is a massive win for their defensive line recruiting. But you also need to start worrying about maybe not even the eighth guy, maybe like who's four and five. Because if you know this can't happen again, you got to have a really strong class in the 2025 class or else this defensive line recruiting, there's going to be a lot of questions. I think Andrew's point hits home a little harder when you're going into a world of 12-team playoff. Because yep. that depth is going to start mattering as you get deeper and deeper into a playoff. You know, I remember when Georgia had that wave of front seven guys in 2021. I'm not saying it has to be always at that level because that was a bit ridiculous. But you should be able to. Larry Johnson's constant philosophy of rotating is going to matter a lot more in the future here when you're talking about front seven guys, especially with that defensive front. With that being said, Nathan is, is right. I, this is not going to be doom and gloom because they still did sign a top five class. And outside of offensive tackle, they signed a five-star recruit at all the other NFL premium positions. They have a five-star quarterback in Aaron Nolan. They've got two five-star wide receivers in Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham. They've got a five-star cornerback in Aaron Scott and then another top 60 recruit who's a cornerback in Bryce West. And they've even got a running back in there as well. What, we're going to take a quick break there and then we're going to get into some quarterback talk because I think we can talk about Aaron Nolan there along with what we think the quarterback room could look like going forward, whether or not we think Ohio State is still would still pursue a, a transfer quarterback. We'll get more into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Get the text, 614-350-3315. Listen, man, Andrew was up at 8 o'clock in the morning today sending out texts. Little, uh, let's, let's, let's give me a little more credit. It was a little bit earlier than 8 o'clock. I was sending texts yeah, at 8 the, o'clock, but I was up a yeah, little bit earlier than 8 o'clock. Well, that's what we're talking about. What time you actually got up is irrelevant to our texter, 614-351-3315. But a lot of text. He was literally texting you play by play of what Ryan Day was doing. It was, yo, he's talking. Yo, he's leaving the room. Yo, he's coming back in the room. Hey, he's leaving the room. You're getting everything. He, listen, you, gotta get, you got your bang for your buck today. If you were signed on Wednesday, if you were signed up for the text, two week free trial, three ninety nine. After that, six one four three five zero three three one five. Nathan, I asked a bunch of Aaron Nolan questions. You tried to poke at the Kyle McCord because this is also the first time we've talked with Ryan Day since it, Ryan since Kyle McCord officially went into the transfer portal. He didn't even want to go there with the Kyle McCord. He said he would just keep it private. But five star freshman who will be here in January. Unless he gets here earlier because he participates in bowl practice, but I don't know that. I, they didn't get asked that. Second year top 200 recruit who in Lincoln Kingholz that they're really high on, but maybe he's still a year away from being where he needs to be, or maybe he's not. Who knows? This is going to be his first full offseason. And then Devin Brown, who, at least for the Cotton Bowl, is QB1. When you look at that room, when you look at the way Ohio State has operated so far in terms of they haven't been active in the transfer portal at all, are you expecting Ohio State to explore a quarterback option in the transfer portal is one question, too. Are you shocked that they haven't been more active in that space so far? No, I, I don't. I, I'm not shocked that they haven't been more active. I, I think from the time that this came out, I expressed a lot of skepticism in, in just what I thought was attainable in the portal for Ohio State because, again, it had to be a one-year guy. And if you just look at the Kyle McCord example – like that's a guy who had one year of eligibility left, 
and was the starting quarterback and went 11 and one and was third team all Big Ten and still didn't feel like he had enough assurances that he would be the guy that he could stick around. So imagine what you would have to promise to somebody coming in from where they're already a starter on the outside. Like it, it just it that math never really added up. And I think on top of that, there is still just some faith by Ohio State that this collection of guys can produce the guy that they're, they're in they're intrigued by Devin Brown that he nearly won the job as a second year guy and they they've liked what they've seen in bowl practice now obviously before they really even started bowl practice is when they would have had to start contacting quarterbacks and I think they have contacted quarterbacks I just am skeptical that the marriage was ever going to make sense between a guy who was clearly good enough to be Ohio State starting quarterback and what Ohio State could promise them in order to entice them out of the portal um and you're not going to get a young guy because then that potentially has multiple guys leaving your room and that's just not worth it and there were no young guys certainly who were who were worth that and i think that uh, this is a byproduct of what ryan day put together years ago this is you always kind of had by by getting a guy we god knows we talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast like does this make sense like when you're getting a, a stud guy in every class and you're you know a guy who would be starter caliber instead of doing like the trade off and imagine if they had done that and instead of getting devin brown and they had just taken a you know a a, a guy from ohio who they knew was going to be a backup and so right now a going into the cotton bowl you would have that guy and and a true freshman as your two options. Actually, it might be Tristan Jebbia starting the Cotton Bowl, frankly, in that situation, if that was how they had done it. And, and then, then going into next year, you'd be looking at the same thing. And you would have to, that would really put your back against the wall about having to go into the portal here. I think there's enough optimism about the guys that they have. They're, they're, they think that this, um, this competition that will unfold between now and next August can produce the, the starting quarterback they need. And also remember, in, in the 12-team playoff era, I think one of the things that hung over the experience this past year was having Notre Dame waiting for you in the fourth game, which was better than when they were it was the season opener. But like having that game hanging over you into the four, in, the, in the fourth game changed how you had changed your priorities a little bit. You almost had to pick the guy who was less of a playmaker potentially, but was the the more I started to say safer. I don't think that's the right word, but the more reliable, the stable. more the more consistent, the more consistent, mm -hmm. stable. Stable is a good word. Yes, um, less volatile. And I think Kamakor was that of the two guys. Now, I'm not saying you don't care if you lose. A loss doesn't devastate your season. It it, it 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 doesn't it it makes it more difficult to eventually win a national championship, but it doesn't keep you out of the one single loss to anybody will never keep Ohio State out of the playoff again. Two losses will probably never keep Ohio State out of the playoff again. So you can have a different evaluation of the quarterback job this going forward, every year going forward. It can be something where if a guy improves steadily over the course of a year, even if you take a loss along the way, you have that time. You have that ability to, and that doesn't, it doesn't apply just to quarterback. I think it applies across the field, but especially a quarterback, you have some guys can grow into this a little bit. And as, as part of an entire roster, being the best version of itself at the end of the year. And that actually being the most important thing rather than frankly, this flawed antiquated system that we've had for generations where you have to be amazing at week one. And if you have any stumble, it, it throws the whole thing off. I want to ask both of you guys this question and Andrew, you can answer first. Um, and it's based off of what you were just talking about it, Nathan. And I asked day about it today and he gave about the answer that, you probably could have expected him to give. You know, he's a freshman and he's just was trying to be learning the playbook and all that stuff. But that's a new reality, Nathan, that they get to live in, where stuck isn't the word, but I'm having problems finding a different word. You don't have to be stuck with your first choice anymore. 
at quarterback. And I'm not so that the ways I'm, well, I'm framing I, it that way is go ahead, Nathan. Just to interject, I mean, if at any time this season, through practices, through game performance, he thought Devin Brown was a better choice, he could have gone to Devin Brown. So yeah. it's not like he was it's not like he was locked into Kyle McCord. I think at no point this year did he feel that Kyle McCord wasn't still the more stable, efficient, reliable option. Yeah, for sure. That 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 can be true, but I also think in this that regardless of who he picked, there was gonna be a period of just kind of going through growing pains that comes when you're doing something for the first time. And I think having that happen with, to your point, the less volatile guy who'd been around a little bit longer, safer, more stable, whatever word we want to put there, you kind of stick with that because you can't allow it to cost you another game because you're spending part, as we talked about, this season was set up in like thirds almost the way it built up to the big games. I don't know if Ohio State, if had say they had lost the Notre Dame game. And can you really afford to be going through those growing pains again with a brand new starting quarterback when you already have that loss and you know you can't afford a second loss because you can barely afford the first loss? That's not necessarily the case this time around. Plus, the schedule is just a little bit easier so you can make these type of decisions. But the point I'm making is five-star quarterback who's playing at the highest level of football in Georgia and was pretty good. And Ryan Day kind of talked about Aaron Nolan in a really high way today on Wednesday when we talked with him both as like a human being and the way he was a leader in this class but then also from a football standpoint as well and he's coming into a room where none of these guys are these guys going to have a combined one start going into the spring is the door at least cracked for the idea that Aaron Nolan can come in here Andrew and win this job yeah absolutely um for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one, you mentioned it. Aaron Nolan is a remarkably talented football player. Like we wouldn't be saying this if this was Lincoln Keenholz and you had a 200, whatever Lincoln Keenholz was, and he was coming in here and you were like, all right, coming from uh, the Dakotas, you're talking about a player who needs some development time. You know, you're talking about a guy who maybe needs to acclimate to the Ohio State offense. Like you were, there were different things you could talk about and kind of convince yourself, okay, you know, this, that, and the other. With Aaron Nolan, the on-field product, like if there ever was a guy to come in and and have a chance to compete, he would be it, right? Like he would be the guy that you look at talent-wise and say, okay, wow, like this kid, this kid's good and this kid's special. And like Ryan Day said today during his during his press conference, he was one of the players he was able to comment on. Um, you know, he did say that, you know, this guy's going to be a leader of our football team. Like th- th- he, they, he was very high on him. I mean, as he was, as he should be, as you expected him to say, but he really was, was high on that. I think to the second point, it's more than just the 12-team playoff. Um, because I, I mean, I, I would love to know what the scenario is where a 10 and two Ohio state team gets left out. So like, if you go into the season kind of understanding not, we have two losses to play with, but we don't have to win every single game. Like if we, if we lose one game, it, it the season is not ruined. I get that. And I think one of the things that we are kind of discounting, and I know it sounds funny. And I know it sounds hilarious. Ohio State did open the season on the road with a Big Ten team. Like, you, you, you had that game to kick off your season. You couldn't, for lack of a better phrase, screw around like you could against Akron, which is who they open up their season in 2024 at home. You know, th- there was this kind of element of like, okay, like we actually have to take this kind of seriously because it is a Big Ten team. It's the first game. We have a new quarterback. We have to do all these things. We have this on the road. And then you have two games against an FCS team and Western Kentucky. And then you got to go play Notre Dame. Well, Ohio State's schedule in 2024. This is the prototype schedule for a freshman quarterbacks either starting or having significant time because they play Akron and Western Michigan in the first two games. And then they have a bye week. And then they come back with Marshall. They go to Michigan State host Iowa, go to Oregon, and they have a second bye week. So they're going to play two games, bye, four games, bye. 
there there's off ramps here where if the first two games aren't cutting it and you're playing Devin Brown, all right, here we go. We're going to play Keenholz or we're going to play Aaron Nolan. And this is where Aaron Nolan can kind of prove himself that he is the number two quarterback or even, I guess, the starting quarterback. You can do that because there are going to be these opportunities. You start with three G5 teams. You have a bye week in there. And then you play at Michigan State. And I know we joke about Iowa, but Iowa does always have a good defense. And that game's at home. So, like, you have really like if you don't want a freshman to make his first start on the road in the big 10 you could come home and play iowa like you've got different opportunities here and different chances to give a freshman quarterback the reins because again you play six games in the first eight weeks of the year you have two bye weeks you have the chance you play three g5 teams to start the year you have the chance so it's it's his ability it's the 12-team playoff, but it's also the way that the schedule lines up that I think this could be really beneficial for what Aaron Nolan can do in terms of his playing time in 2024. I think the chances are better than they've been since I've been here at any point, obviously, to have a, a true freshman <laughs> maybe win the job. I mean, I guess Common Core did start a game as a true freshman thanks to, to Stroud's injury. Yeah, I think everything has to be on the table. Again, that This is the crux of why Day couldn't commit to McCord. It wasn't just McCord's play it was that a a new evaluation had to be you had you had to reevaluate Devin Brown after another year of development you had to give Lincoln Keenholz a fair look after his year of development and you had to give yourself and Aaron Oland a fair shot when he comes in I mean it's still a five-star prospect it's still a guy who is considered among the elite of the elite at the most important position and when you have a skill set like that oftentimes it's not ready immediately. I don't think C.J. Stroud was ready to be a Ohio State starting quarterback as a true freshman, no matter how good he was the last two years and now in the NFL. I don't think Justin Fields was necessarily ready to run offenses in either the Big Ten or the SEC in the biggest games of the year as a true freshman. The skills were there. The underlying skills were there. But to have that prepared and developed to run a real offense at the start of that year is asking a lot. Uh, even, you know, Clemson and, uh, with Trevor Lawrence, they didn't do it on day one, right? Like they, they worked their way up to where he took over as a starter. Now it was only a few games into that first year, but still they didn't give him that job on day one. And part of that is, you know, not wanting to maybe put a lot on a guy's shoulders in terms of expectations. But I think Andrew's right. That, that And I think, I mean, very, it's very possible that Devin Brown, regardless of what he does in the Cotton Bowl, just wins this job going into next year. And he's just your starting quarterback. Like that's a very... It could be. It could take a very conventional route to get him to be the starting quarterback next August. I, but I definitely don't discount that Aaron Noland could come in and compete for that job and compete to be the one who, if everybody has a little bit of a flaw right now, maybe his collection of good things is best positioned for them for the offense to have success, despite the flaws that everybody is dealing with at that point. I and I'm not I don't know what percentage I would put on it, the likelihood of it happening. I just know that as as the beat writer, as I talk about this, it's certainly up through the cotton bowl, and we'll see what happens that day, how we talk about it after that. But I would imagine that still going into the spring, I'm gonna be talking about this as like here are the three people that they're considering to be the starting quarterback. Unless Ryan Day before that says Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw what happened in the Cotton Bowl. It's got to be Devin. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that there will still be some evaluation that has to take place because that's only fair to the guys on the roster. And I think Devin Brown would probably, as much as he would love to be named uh, the starting quarterback as long as he's here, I think he would probably be the first to acknowledge that because he was in that position a year ago and or this spring, this past spring and this past preseason. And wanted his fair shot, got his fair shot, just didn't win the job. I think it's probably the most realistic situation since Braxton Miller got here. Five-star freshman can come in here and take a job. Because even with Kyle McCord, he's not, like CJ Stroud was here. So it was the, even, there was that, the, Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz, neither one of them, at least we don't think they're CJ Stroud level, where it feels like they've already got the job locked up. So that's why I wanted to bring up that conversation. We're going to take one last break here, and then we'll just wrap up any other stuff that we talked with Ryan Day about, and then also just the class in general. We come back here on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk as Ohio State wraps up its 2024 recruiting class, which ranks number five in the country. It's got five five stars in it. Like I said, number five overall, five five stars. They signed. They came into the 
Wednesday with 22 players committed. They ended up signing 21 of those 22 with Jeremiah McClellan flipping to Oregon while they did hold on to Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston as five-star recruits. Let's wrap up with this, Andrew. Day ran through everybody in the class. And I'm, he, sh- he started off the press conference running through everybody, which I joked was like a heck of a filibuster because I'm, pre- I'm thinking, oh, he's just we trying wait, to he was wait, yeah. Yeah, wait out the thing. But I mean, he's also just, listen, he was really excited about this class. It's got seven guys who are in state who are all very valuable members to it. And he ran down every single one of those guys. But when you listen to how he talked about some of the players today, but also, you know, just looking at these guys and their profiles of the people we haven't talked about today. Who's the most intriguing prospect and why for you? Yeah, you know, there there are a lot of guys you could look at. And I think you could point to the cornerback room because the cornerback room was really great. You could point to the offensive line because you could say, hey, we need somebody on the offensive line to step up. There's a lot of different ways that you could look at this. But the guy that I am going to be fascinated by over the next two, three years is going to be Damarian Witt. And he is the tight end out of Glenville High School in Cleveland. He is the number 455 player in the country per the 247 Sports Composite Rankings, number 29 tight end, number 18 player in the state of Ohio. So you, you hear that and you're like, okay, you know, maybe Ohio State got a, a diamond in the rough, maybe this, maybe that. The thing that I am fascinated by with Witten is not just, hey, I think Ohio State got a really good player here. It's what he would signify for the offense and kind of what he could be for the offense because this man plays receiver. This man, he's 17 years old. This player, this kid, (laughs) plays receiver at Glenville High School, or he did play receiver at Glenville High School. Like, this is a guy who is being recruited at like 6'2, 210-ish. We haven't really got, I don't think we've gotten like an official height weight, but that's not Big Ten tight end right? That's not, Hey, this guy can come in and put his hand in the dirt and help block on, on the edge with the defensive lineman and, uh, you know, with the defensive edge and you have to cave in a line of scrimmage now and run the ball. That's not that size right now. He's obviously going to have to get here. He's going to have to put on some weight. He's going to have to learn how to put his hand in the dirt. He's going to have to learn how to do all those things that are traditional tight end, like a Max LeBlanc would, you know, kind of already know how to do. But Witten is such a gifted receiver and Witten is such a unique kind of prototype. You could say this with Jelani Thurman, but Witten is the guy that you look at with this Ohio State roster and you're like, man, Jeremiah Smith is a dog, obviously. And Mylon Graham is close behind. They're both five-star players. Pair that with Brandon Innes and Roger, Noah Rogers and Carnell Tate and all these guys that Ohio State has brought in and is going to continue to bring in over the next couple of classes, you would assume. And the receiving talent's great. And I just think that Damarian Witten, the the different element that he gives you on offense is going to be really fascinating to watch because I, I think you actually pointed out and you disagreed with me that like Ohio State would kind of change its offense. And I agree, you don't really change your offense for one guy. But I do think it gives you this like extra element. Like if you could just add a tight end that can run, like they can really run. You know, Cade Stover had a really good year receiving in this past uh, in this past season. But if you could add a guy that can really run, I mean, think about the pressure that that puts on the linebackers, that that puts on the safeties. That is a nightmare for opposing defenses. And I'm I'm fascinated to see how this plays out because if this hits. You are getting a true receiving tight end, like a true, wow, this dude is receiver first tight end and is really good at it. And I just think what it could mean for Ohio State's offense and what it could do for Ohio State's offense is something that is really exciting and it's really special. And again, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch because it's going to be a development project. But if it hits, man, is this going to be a fun development project. So he's listed at 6'4", 250. As I mentioned, I think on the Monday pod, we were doing the offense. He's not 6'4". He's like 6'2". I think he's an intriguing prospect if it hits as a tight end, but I think it's even more intriguing prospect even if it doesn't hit as a tight end, but it still hits. Because when Day was talking about him, he brought up the fact that Teddy Ginn, head coach over there at Clintonville, longtime head coach, legendary head coach up in the Cleveland area, was talking about 
he could be the best receiver in the country. Like he's got that type of upside if it hits. And Ohio State's 2024 class, they just lost a receiver. So they're only signing two. They're signing two five stars, of course. But you're signing two five stars. And then you got this kid, Demarion Witten, which they're going to try it out at tight end. They're going to see if he can, you know, if he has the frame to put the necessary weight on and can take that long route to develop it to be the tight end. But I'm also just thinking, man, what if he's just a wide receiver? Yeah. I, I think it could hit that way too, right? Because. It's not like they're going to need him to play in 2024 or even 2025, but in 2026, who knows what the room might look like. And he might be ready to go as a third year guy who spent two years learning how to play the position the right way. And maybe it turned into something. So I'm with you. It's intriguing because I think it could hit at two different positions. I'm not sure how high the floor is. It, that floor might be pretty low right now, too, but yeah. the ceiling might be super, super high, regardless of which position it's at, once he locks into one of those two positions. So I agree with you. That one's pretty interesting. I was going to say a cornerback, but the way Ryan Day talked about James Peoples today, maybe that is it's, – it's probably a fair expectation for top 100 running backs to be ready to go as true freshmen, right? It's just – it's one of those positions that gets old quick which can be a good thing when they're young, but can be a bad thing when they're 26 and trying to get paid in the NFL. But I do think in a world where you're not sure what's going on with Travion Henderson, if Travion Henderson leaves, now your numbers might be weird, but I think a running back room where your top two are Dallin Hayden and this kid, James Peoples, I think they're fine. Number 95 player, number seven running back in the, con- in, the, in the country. There's some similarities in terms of size and build to what J.K. Dobbins was getting here in 2017. And Dobbins was ready from day one to be a guy for you. And I'm not saying that you know, James Peoples is going to walk out there against Akron. Well, he might because it's Akron. But he's going to walk out there in his first Big Ten game and have 200-plus yards and just be the workhorse for you from day one. But if you're telling me that, James Peoples has the potential to be Ohio State's third best running back, maybe second best, depending on what Travion Henderson does. That's interesting because they have been talking to him as if there's an expectation for him to make an impact as a true freshman. And when he talked about him that way, it really changed my viewpoint of him because I was thinking more, okay, Travion Henderson comes back. He's the third guy. And then in 2025, okay, let's see what he does then. But the way Ryan Day talked about this kid as if there's an expectation for him to be a impact player from the moment he steps on campus at running back that makes you turn your head a little bit more than maybe it does in some other positions so that's three guys i'm on the radar for already and Aaron nolan jeremiah smith and james peoples as guys who might be able to make an impact for you in year one jeremiah smith's probably the safest bet there while the other two it's just an intriguing conversation that we'll probably continue to have over the next couple of months so you, I mentioned the schedule as it relates to Aaron Nolan, but I think the schedule also kind of relates to a lot of other freshmen because you get, remember, you get four games. And as Ryan kind of mentioned at the end of the season, the four games does not include a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, the four games means you can. So what that what that means to me is, again, not to be you know, crass about some of these schedules, but if you want to mess around with in your first three games and play some guys, significant reps, like let's say Trayvon Henderson comes back. Do you need to see Trayvon Henderson run through the Marshall thundering herd to know that Trayvon Henderson is good? No, you probably don't. And even to like a lesser extent, like Dallin Hayden, do you need to see Dallin Hayden play Western Michigan? Do you need him to, do you need him to play Akron? Like, probably not. You probably want to save your number one and number two running backs for Big Ten play. Because, again, I mentioned it. You're going to have to – you play Michigan State to open up Big Ten play on the road. But then you got to come home and you got to play a tough Iowa defense. And then you have to turn around and go on the road to play Oregon. And that's going to be a really tough environment and a really tough game. So, I get it that, you know, you you can you want to build depth. But, like, early on, man, like, there's just a chance for some of these guys and there's a really big chance. I, I'm, I'm glad you said peoples because he was one of the guys that I was considering for this too, just because it's talent level and it's opportunity. Those are the two things that get a kid on the field early and he has both and Aaron Oland has both and Jeremiah Smith has both. 
And there's all these guys that you could point to and say, wow, they have both. And with James Peoples, man, I, at worst, unless, I mean, unless they bring in a transfer portal running back, which I believe Ryan Day kind of said that that's an option, um, you know, bringing in a portal running back, which would change things, I think, a little bit. But even still, Ohio State played their third and fourth running back this year, right? Ohio State got down into the depth chart with their running backs this year. And they're not afraid to do that, especially, you know, if you're going to blow out Akron or, you know, Western Michigan or Marshall or even like a Michigan State again. You have that ability. So, yeah, Peoples has uh, Peoples has as good of a chance as anybody in this freshman class. In terms of the transfer portal, obviously they haven't been as active right now. And a lot of that is because their roster is still kind of in flux. As they're waiting to see what some of these third-year guys are going to do in terms of coming back or not. But he did say it's definitely a possibility that Ohio State will explore the transfer portal to try to add players at some point this offseason even if they're not necessarily doing it right now that's going to wrap up this post signing day podcast on thursday the friday pod as i mentioned on the wednesday pod is going to be we're just the players who are most interesting maybe that's not the way i worded it when i sent it to you guys but the players we're most interested to see play in the cotton bowl as with signing day coming to a close here ohio state the number five class nationally five five star seven in-state recruit commits as that comes to an end we start to shift our focus back onto the current roster which will play missouri in the cotton bowl on december 29th in the new year's six bowl get the text 614-350-3315 i promise you if you signed up for the text ahead of signing day you had a great day on wednesday you got a lot of text and there's gonna be a lot more that are gonna come down the pipeline here because that's what we do here man we give you your money's worth here it's it's well worth your time three 614-350-3315 two-week free trial 399 after that. So for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>